0: wow do you know now is always the time to receive his love now is always the time to receive his love wow thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus i had two different people tonight when we did that love tunnel giving me the same prophetic word that when i when i preach it's like i'm like a volcano erupting so i hope you're ready for the lava the love is coming Thank you, Jesus. Wow, I I really feel like tonight is also about hope. I feel like God wants to release hope right now. Is there a funny echo thing going on? Should I move down here? Is that going to be better if I move off the platform? Huh? Keep going. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God just. I just feel like there is an there is an upgrade in expectation and hope that God wants to release right now in Jesus name because when you when you receive the father's love when you receive his love and you receive his love unconditionally as a child in his love you find hope in his love you find new hope and new expectation of what he's going to do in his life what he can do in his life what he, in your life what he wants to do in your life and I just feel like right now God is releasing a hope and expectation upgrade in the room right now in Jesus name in Jesus name in jesus name thank you lord thank you father if you've um if you've got a bible with you um you can turn to joshua chapter one and i'm just going to read from verse one uh, down to i think probably nine so this is obviously going to be familiar but um after the death of moses the servant of the lord the lord said to joshua son of nun moses aid moses my servant is dead Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers, to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be terrified do not be discouraged for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go um, i want to talk tonight about something that um, is close to my heart is something that i've not ever spoken about this before um, You know, if if anyone, if you know me, anyone who will know me will tend to kind of think of me as somebody who maybe has like a healing anointing and sees miracles and things like that um, and has breakthrough in that in those kind of areas. But actually tonight I want to talk about what you do when things don't go according to plan, when things don't go well, when things aren't going as you're expecting and what do you do? Because if you have a vision and a dream for your life or if you feel like you've got a calling for there's a calling on your life in a certain area. What do you do when things don't go as planned? What do you do? Because the thing about being someone with a vision or a dream is that a lot of the time, no one else is in a position to encourage you because they can't see what you can see. Obviously, that's what's amazing about the prophetic is that God, God speaks through other people and he's able to call that out in you. But you might get a prophetic word here and there a big part of what you do is what you do with those prophetic words and how you keep hold of them and how you keep them in your life and you don't just make them a one, one moment in time. But actually, you are going to be the person who in those difficult hours, in those difficult days, those difficult times, is going to have to decide what am I going to do when it's really tough, when, the, when this thing is tested. And what I've realized is if you don't learn to encourage yourself, you're probably going to give up. At some point, if you don't learn to encourage yourself, you'll probably have a bunch of dreams and ideas that you never did. Lots of things you maybe nearly did, or things you thought about, or dreams you had at one point that maybe you walked away from. And so if there was a title for what I'm going to talk about tonight, it was really this, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. It's so simple. It's just three words. They're three powerful words. If we just do it, we just be determined. Never. I'm never going to give up. Sometimes that's all it's about. You know, we have these amazing experiences, amazing services, and we're experiencing God move in amazing ways in our lives, in supernatural ways. But sometimes it's just about this. I'm never going to give up. Today, what I'm talking about is something that I call it the ministry of self-encouragement. I actually believe that some of the most important ministries are the ministries we do to the Lord and to ourselves. Because if we don't get them right, the ministry we do to the outside world isn't going to be that great. It's not really going to help them that much. Another one I talk about sometimes is about the ministry of uprooting lies. And really, that's my way of talking about faith because a lot of people talk about faith in the sense of, oh, I need to get more faith, or I don't have enough faith. I'm like, no, just get all the lies out of your life, and you'll realize you've got tons of faith. You've just been directing it the wrong, the wrong way. But tonight I want to talk about self-encouragement. Because if there's one thing the last few years of my life has taught me, it's this, you will need to fight for your dreams. You are going to have to fight for them. I actually think if you did a survey of a lot of the people in the Bible who... um. Were successful and those who weren't. Probably a lot of them would fall into two categories. One of two categories: those who gave up, and those who, quite frankly, probably a lot of a lot of us would advise them to have given up, but they didn't. I'm talking about people like Abraham, Joshua, Joseph, David. But then you contrast them with people like the well, the whole Israelite nation under Moses' command and how they rebelled. You know, when they got the bad, bad report coming back from the spies. Or the Israelite army before David turned up at the battlefield. Or how about even Elijah, an amazing man of God, but at the end of his ministry, what did he do? He, he got the heebie-jeebies and he ran away from Jezebel. What, what's the one thing in common with a lot of these stories of failure? They gave in to discouragement and they partnered with discouragement. When, when we arrived at East Cape, which is about five years ago now, we had loads of different words that we were given, loads of different words that I was given over the years about a calling on my life to equip people in the supernatural and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and yet, not long after we got back in the country, because we'd been in America for a few years, I found my life going in the exact opposite direction of everything that everyone had said to me. I'm like, what? I went back into the old industry I was doing. I literally... All the time I had to minister to people got completely zapped up. I felt like I was further away from my dreams than I could possibly be. And even worse, it was actually what I was doing was pulling me away from my family as well, which is really, really hard. It was actually really quite emotional and exhausting a lot of the time. You know, I guess the hardest part is kind of losing precious time with those people that I can't, I can't get back. Having said that, I think the biggest sacrifices weren't made by me it was made by Kate, my wife, and the kids because she had to do she normally has to do everything because i 'm never around um, but all the while kind of this was going on, my heart was aching to be with them and to and my and my mind was kind of confused with what what's you know what's going on, but at the same time i i didn't really i didn't feel like i'd made the wrong decision i I felt like I was where I meant to be, and that was kind of the really confusing part about it if you were to jump back six months before all that happened i had this one uh one night where i was i was listening to some soaking music and i was just lying there soaking and then i get into that kind of half asleep half asleep state you know when you're kind of like sometimes there's a little bit of a supernatural window um <laughs> where mischief angels have their mischief um And I had this kind of encounter where I, I saw somebody, this guy, who had like a ponytail, and for some reason I thought he was my angel, felt like he was my angel. And it, and in the, in this kind of encounter, I'm watching myself ask him a question, and I don't remember what the question was, but he turns around to me and goes, yes, eleventy times eleven. And then, and then I came out of it, and I was like, what was that? Eleventy times eleven? That's the, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything, it's ridiculous um anyway at that point i was doing um an encounters class at bethel church and being led by teresa deadman if anyone knows who, who she is um and she said oh has anyone got anything they want to share so i stood up and i shared this and i said this what i just said to you i was like what is that all about it doesn't mean anything it's not even a word and um she started giving me this really long prophetic word about this um a joseph anointing on my life and all this kind of stuff but What she told me was that 11 means transition or significant change in your life. And she said, I can only imagine that 11 times 11 is big. (laughs) And so uh, I knew knew that there was transitions happening. I didn't know what they looked like. But I thought that when I went back into the industry, which I'd worked in before, which is advertising, I was thinking, oh, this will probably be a season of transition. It will be like up to a year, something like that. I did not expect it to be five years or more. So sometimes when God calls you into a season or takes you into a season, you have no idea what it looks like or how long you're going to be there. And that's why it's really even more important that you learn to self-encourage yourself. See, and I really think that for me, there have been many times when a lot of stuff hasn't made sense, but the only thing that's kind of kept me going through it was this ability to kind of, when, when I feel like kind of, jacking things in or changing something or doing something drastic is this ability to kind of renew my mind renew my thinking and encourage myself and actually a big part is also to celebrate what you see god doing other people's lives because you can sometimes find yourself in a season where you feel stuck and you feel trapped and you feel like you're not moving and it feels like everybody else around you is and everybody else, it feels like everybody else is... It's like when somebody talks to you about red cars and then you just see red cars everywhere. It's like, in that kind of situation, It's like it feels like everybody else is getting to enjoy the stuff that you feel like you're supposed to be doing. And actually, that's the point where you need to celebrate them. You need to celebrate them and be thankful for what God's doing in their life. I remember there was, there was this one meeting actually a while back that... I'm being really honest here where Kate and I were at with loads of friends and everybody was sharing about this experience that happened in the ESSL school one day in the worship where God's glory came in this really tangible way and they said it was just like this really profound experience. Every single person in the room had been there for it except me and kate <laughs> so what was meant to what really is should have been an incredibly encouraging amazing experience it was tempting to feel really discouraged because i was like i would have loved to have been there i was doing a 14 hour day and i didn't have a lunch break and I, if i could have done anything i would have been there but i couldn't that's when it's even more important that you learn to celebrate the right things and you need to to you need to position and posture your heart in the right way in the right place in the right way You know, I could have thought to myself, I used to lead meetings where that kind of stuff happened. And now I don't even get to go to them. But it's not about that. It's about trusting God that he's got you in the right place at the right time. And you are who you are. Nothing's changed. You are the person He made you. Sometimes you go through a season of life where it feels like you're trapped. But the thing is, and this is a really important thing, is to not try and force yourself out of that season. Don't try and force the timing. Don't try and force God's hand. Timing is a huge deal in the kingdom. Have you ever wondered why when Jesus was ministering and he was driving out demons, why the why the demons can, used to really loudly declare that he was the son of God? It's like they are worshipping him. Have you ever wondered why that happened? I used to think it was because even they couldn't help fall down and worship him. And I've actually realized, I think I was wrong... It's actually because they knew his time hadn't come yet. And they were trying to force him into his destiny out ahead of time. Remember when Jesus used to say to people, he used to tell them to be quiet, didn't he? He used to say, don't tell anyone what's happened to you, but just go show the priest, or, or that kind of stuff. Because his time hadn't come yet. We talk a lot about identity, but here. If you're around here for any kind of, um, serious amount of time, there'll be, you'll hear a sermon where we talk about identity. David likes to talk about identity a lot. Um, but when you find yourself in a situation where you can no longer do the things that you feel you're meant to be doing with your life, then, it's then that you really learn where, you get, where you're getting your identity from. Is it from your relationship with him, or is it from what you do? It's, if I'm a bit completely honest, there were many times where I felt like a failure Because I went from seeing miracles happening all around me and then equipping other people to see loads of miracles happen all around them to the complete opposite where I was trapped in an office or I was trapped on a a shoot or in a recording studio or an edit suite, whatever it is, from kind of sunrise till bedtime with no lunch breaks. I didn't even have an opportunity to even meet and talk to anyone that day. But here's the thing that I had to discover during those times. Even if I don't see a single miracle for an entire year, that does not stop me from being a miracle worker. You might feel a million miles away from your dreams right now. But that does not change who you are. That does not change how true they are. That does not change anything about that. And and the more that you believe that and the more you stick to that, I actually believe the greater that thing will be when you walk into it. I started to realize that I can find his glory in everything I can do. I can carry the miraculous everywhere. I can just be miraculous wherever I am. It's not about doing miracles. I'm just going to be with the person who is the miracle. And so I used to spend a huge amount of my time working in Google's offices, which is a very, very competitive, kind of stressful, sort of busy environment. And I would just take every second I had just to remind myself of who I am in him and who he is in me and just enjoy that and whether it's kind of I'm running to a meeting or I'm running to the toilet or wherever it is I'm running to get a cup of tea I would just be in that I would just try and get myself in that posture and just encouraging myself and I'd be manifesting gold dust all over my hands as I'm walking around Google's offices and no one would see it no one, no one knew about it I, I would look down it was all over my hands but no one else would see it but it does, it was, that was me and him. And that was all I needed. I needed to learn that that's all I needed. It's just me and him. I had to separate my sense of self-worth from outward signs. And I realized that you can't really go wrong with God if you fully embrace the season you're in, even if it feels totally contrary to what you feel you're meant to be doing. The other thing you need to know is that he wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. It has a purpose. And normally it means that he's weaving some kind of tapestry that is way more beautiful than the one that you had in mind. The thing about discouragement is it will make you cynical. If you allow yourself to be discouraged, you'll start to even question good news when you hear it. Testimonies that should actually become your breakthrough. If you're not careful and you don't guard your heart. Could even offend you. I think it's, we should probably. if We're going to talk about encouragement and courage. We should probably give a brief definition of courage. Courage, courage means doing something that scares you. It's not no longer being afraid. It's doing it anyway. So encouragement By virtue of that, encouragement means to place in someone the belief and the hope that they can do something that scares them. So so what's self-encouragement then? Self-encouragement means to intentionally place belief and hope in yourself that you are going to do something that scares you. Now, if you think about it, that kind of seems like quite an unnatural thing to do it kind of is an unnatural thing to do for us because we've learned a nature that doesn't do that. But it comes from this realization that what I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do is not just going to drop out of the sky. It actually is going to be, come about from mind renewal. It's about aligning my thinking with his. It's about being intentional and disciplined with your thought life. Because the thing is, if you don't own your thoughts, someone else will. And you know who that is, don't you? And the other thing about, though, is about, as well as being disciplined about our thoughts, it also comes from recognizing that that discipline comes from a strength that's not your own. Now, at the beginning, we read that verse in Joshua, where, where God is talking to Joshua. God is encouraging Joshua to encourage himself. Do you notice that? He's encouraging him to encourage himself. That that actually is a lesson that he's given him there in self-encouragement. If you read it again, you'll see. But have you ever wondered why it is that Joshua was able to lead Israel into the promised land and Moses couldn't? I know there's obviously things that happened with the water when it came out of the rock, but in terms of why, what was behind all of that, well, I'm just going to turn quickly to Exodus 33. I think there's a clue there. So I'm going to start at verse 7. So, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents watching moses until he entered the tent as moses went into the tent the pillar of cloud would come down and wow thank you jesus and stay at the entrance while the lord spoke with moses whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent the lord would speak to moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua didn't leave the tent. Now Moses, don't get me wrong, an incredible man of God, clearly has a special place in the kingdom. But if you want to change the world, you need to stop making his presence an event you turn up to and instead make it a place that you live from. How you deal with discouragement will, de- will define your life. Moses, you could say, didn't lead the people into the promised land because he was temporarily, momentarily misled by them. So that, And that moment of impatience or frustration that he had in, in Numbers 20, uh, Israel's rebellion, caused him to go beyond what God had actually told him to do. He didn't actually obey the command that, that he was given at that time. I mentioned Elijah earlier, and I'm just going to briefly touch on him. Bear me one second. You don't need to turn there, but I'm just going to go to 1 Kings. So, this, is, this story is familiar with you, and I know, I'm sure, but it never ceases to amaze me, because Elijah has just taken on the whole nation. He's taken, literally just taken on the whole nation. And then Jezebel gives him the heebie-jeebies. She sends him this message. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. She was talking about the prophets that he put to the sword. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey in the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down at the tree and fell asleep. Talk about a dramatic turnaround. That is a drastic turnaround. What did he do? He partnered with discouragement. He got that message. It intimidated him. And then he was discouraged. If you think about it, the truth is, Jezebel had no power over him. He'd actually just done this thing that had pretty much won the king over on, on his side. But what happened is this message had come with it, a spirit of intimidation that was released with those words, and he partnered with it. And it completely changed how he saw himself and his situation. Suddenly he had a completely different version of his reality than what he had literally five minutes before. So this is what that's made me realize, is discouragement is actually illogical. When we're discouraged, we're actually entering to an illogical way of thinking, an illogical mindset. Why is that? Two reasons. Number one, you're believing fake news. Because it's it's trying to tell you a certain type of future is there for you that is based on fear. Fear is a lie. So you're believing a fake version of your future when you're discouraged. And a fake version of yourself because it's also questioning who you are. And who he's made you to be. That's number one. But number two. is Discouragement is based on the belief. That failure in a moment. Equals failure over a lifetime. That's just completely made up. Actually the opposite is true. Michael Jordan. The the famous basketballer. This is a really famous quote from him. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. He gave that speech on his final game when he was the most awarded and most successful basketball player of all time. So I'm 37 now, and probably for at least 30 of those 37 years, I felt generally probably inferior and inadequate. And because of that, my identity was wrapped up in every success and failure that I had. And here's what I realized. You are not defined by your individual successes and failures. It's way bigger than that. Way bigger. You know, the truth is, see, I work in advertising where we make films and things like that and we pour our heart into these scripts and these ideas for months and months and months. And I used to think, oh, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the big one this is going to be the big one. I get really excited. i would be working it for like a year and then I get really disappointed because something wouldn't go right with it. But here's what I realized. You are the masterpiece. You are the miracle. It's not about how many miracles you can do. You are the miracle. It's not about how many testimonies you get. You are the testimony. I've had so many days where... I walk down the street. I don't feel anointed. I don't feel powerful. I don't, it feels like almost every word of knowledge is missing the mark. Or a prophecy doesn't seem to hit, right? Honestly, I could feel like giving up when that happens. So what do I do? I release the opposite over myself. Wow, I am so anointed right now. I'm so full of your power, God. Thank you, Father. Oh, I, you always want me to feel your love because every good father always wants his kids to feel... His, his love there are no dry places where I go i 'm an open heaven i 'm a walking healing rooms it 's just releasing the opposite go against your fight your natural instincts in those moments and make these your new natural instinct it won't it won 't seem easy at first but Actually, if you're thinking anything negative about your life, just start releasing the opposite. Honestly, I've I've honestly seen a tangible change where it feels like nothing's happening. I don't feel like I'm hearing his voice. As soon as that happens, I know I'm already believing a lie that's the big fat lie right there and i'll just start declaring the opposite wow thank you god that i just get the most insane words of knowledge from you you tell me so many things about people's lives so many details you open their hearts up to your kingdom in these amazing ways and then you release power and you're going to release power encounters onto the streets today this is literally what i do and it starts to change it shifts something why? It's not changing heaven. It's not changing his mind. His mind's already made up. It's opening my mind. David was a master of self-encouragement. When Goliath was standing there, and they were having that standoff, the Philistines and in Israel, the Israelites were discouraged to the point of forgetting who they were. They'd totally forgotten who they were. And actually, I'm just going to Jump to one verse so you don't have to follow me there. But there's quite an insightful verse. So when it's saying about David leaving his things and running to the battle lines to greet his brothers, it says, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Discouragement is based on fear. It's based on fear that you will only be discouraged if you believe the word of the devil over the word of the Lord. It's based on this fear that something bad is going to happen to you. What God says is going to happen to you isn't going to happen. Something bad is going to happen to you instead. If you believe that fear, then you'll you'll be contained by discouragement. But David responds with this. Who is this that thinks he can defy the army of the living God? Discouragement says, if I do this, something bad will will happen to me. It won't work out. I'll lose. David does the opposite. Number one, he reminds them who 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 God is. And number two, he reminds them who they are. Verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He reminds people, He's the Living God, and we've got Him. And then He reminds them who they are. We're the army of the Living God. That's who we are. He's reasserting that very identity that the spirit behind that discouragement is trying to question. Because the thing is, if you forget who, if you never forget who you are in Him, it's impossible for you to be discouraged. If you remember who you are in him, it's impossible. And this quality was actually the one thing that stopped David from losing the kingdom later. I won't turn there, but 1 Samuel 30, when they've been raided and all their possessions and their wives have all been taken. This is David and his mighty men. Is at that point where this great leader is actually in danger of being stoned by the men that follow him. And it actually says that David... Strengthened himself in the Lord. He went away and strengthened himself in the Lord. Like Joshua, he went back to the presence. He turned into the presence and strengthened himself in the Lord. And actually, that word for strengthened can actually be discouraged, uh, be, can actually be defined as encouraged. David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you just look at the Psalms, the ones that are written by David, you actually see him going on. They're like a blueprint for self encouragement. He starts off hopeless, but real about where he's at. Then he remembers what God has done. He remembers the testimonies. He declares the testimonies and remembers those testimonies. He remembers what God has said. He remembers the promises. Then he chooses to partner with that. See, I really believe in the prophetic and I love the prophetic, but there have been times in my life when, and it's been, been times in my life when it's encouraged me greatly, but. There will be times when the only person in that moment left to encourage you will be you. So the question is, what will your response be? A few years ago, um, Kate, my wife, um, had this situation where um, she found, she felt like there was this um, thing in her right-hand side of her body. And... um, she just said, she just talked about it for a while and she said, it feels like there's, I can just feel like a lump inside the right side of my body. Um, so we, she got a scan done and they did the scan and in her gallbladder there was like this massive cyst that you could see, a massive like growth. And um, so she was booked to have uh, surgery and um, whilst this was going on, she then started feeling the same thing on the left half of our body. And what happened is they, they did the surgery and they removed the gallbladder. And, um, whilst they were doing that, she was then becoming more and more sure about this, this other pain that was th- almost the same on the left side. I'm like, what is going on? This is ridiculous. At that point in time, we were seeing like around us the most insane miracles happening. But then this is happening right here. That that is an opportunity for discouragement. And I just decided at that point in time, I'm just going to worship and I'm just going to give thanks. I am not going to ask God to heal my wife. Because I don't believe in asking God to heal. Because I believe that that he's already answered that question. So I'm just going to worship him and thank him. I need to live in that place of what Jesus already paid for on the cross. And celebration of that and thankfulness of that, I need to live in that place, not the begging place, because if I live in the begging place i 'm looking at God through a veil of lies, so I need to live in the thankfulness place, and I just would not change the plan. I would not change the plan. this healing is coming we 've already we're just we 're just receiving it we 're just in the process of receiving it. I remember one day. David West who used to be part of this church he was praying for Kate after the service and he came and talked to me and he just looked at me and he goes you're just never going to give up, are you? I was like, no. And That's that's really why I came with the title of this service of this preach tonight is just never give up. Never give up. Just never give up. What happened is while we were waiting for uh, the biopsy results and um, There was one night where I had a dream in the middle of the night. And in this dream, we're like tiny, tiny people. It's like the movie Inner Space. Remember that 80s movie, Inner Space? That was a great movie. Um, And we're shrunk. And we're like going on a tour through the human body. And we're going on a tour through the human body. And we go through the left side of this body. And we see this black stuff oozing out. And I look at that and I'm like, what's that? And my son, Joel, is there, who at the time was five. And he just looks there and he goes, "Ah, oh, don't worry about that. God's taking care of that." And then I wake up, and I just feel the electricity of heaven in the room. Next morning, my wife that morning woke up, and all the pain in the left side of her body had disappeared. And the next week later, we went to the hospital. They they had so but remember we'd had the scan where you could see the big cyst inside her. They'd done the biopsy, and there was there was no cyst in the in the gallbladder. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are releasing hope upgrades right now in Jesus' name. You're releasing hope and expectation upgrades right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just say over yourself I am anointed, I am called. I am going to do amazing things. This is going to... 2018 is going to be the best year of my life. Tomorrow is going to be the best day of my life. Until the next day. I am anointed and called. I'm so loved. I'm unconditionally loved. I'm going to change the world around me. And I'm going to encourage myself myself. every day, day. especially when I least feel like it. it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.